difference between us is that I can feel pain. Sounds like a real boogeyman watching Freddy's coming for you. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy! There's someone else in the hotel with us. There's a crazy woman in one of the rooms. It's got a death curse! This isn't science. It's more like black magic. Your specimen has been processed, and we are now ready to begin the test proper. Check, check, check. How are we doing? This is Pumpkin Hill Radio. I am your host, Travis Wormwood. I'm going to start it off this way. I just decided I'm feeling good on it. It's way different than usual, but hey, I'm feeling way different than usual. You want to know why? It's because I don't have most of my script written. It's from listeners past. You must understand. This is a heavily researched, heavily documented, notated podcast. I only bring in the brightest minds and, uh, you know, historians, scientists, documentarians from across the planet and beyond, to uh, to discuss some of the most important matters in horror and all of mediahood and the greater world, the, the world at large, you know. Uh, duh. Is this how we want to start it? Coming to you live from, and it's blank here, I'm your host, Travis Wormwood. Welcome to Pumpkin Hill Radio. And then I have another space here where I'm supposed to say, Kind of a description about where I'm coming live from. So, coming live from, I just cleaned up this room, and let me tell you, feeling pretty good, but I had to get in the cracks, the the, uh, the corners. There were some gremlins in there. There were some soot sprites, all things spooktacular. Uh, and I feel like maybe they're just, I don't know if I got them all. I feel like a lot of those little demons ran kind of under the bed, and maybe they're hanging out there now. So they could be watching and listening at this very moment. Welcome to episode 19, the big one. Stephen King, shout out to you. The Dark Tower Calls, episode 19. For my heads out there, for the true heads. And it's if you haven't noticed, it's just me again. And uh, I think last time I promised a guest. I promised the listener a guest of some sort. And it's just it's just not going to happen this week. My one... My one uh, my one guest turned out to probably have COVID or some kind of stomach illness. Another another person, you know, they're babysitting because one of our mutual friends has a kid coming, like, right now. And then uh, all other guests scheduled, they're just, they're not for a couple of weeks, so we're just here. We're rocking this. I promise we got some good ones in the bank, though. I promise. Some old favorites, some new favorites. I'm going to uh, open up the first chair. For a very special guest at some point. Uh, that's just a little behind the curtain stuff, though. Welcome to Pumpkin Hill Radio. Uh, I guess since it's just me, I'm going to check in with horror for just me. Uh, mostly, I've been... I've been pl- Here's something just on the regular side of my brain. Um, not necessarily horror. I've been playing uh, video games for the first time in for the first time in a while. I'm like an avid, some, some somewhat avid collector and like enthusiast. I love the retro stuff, but I've been actually sitting down to play games other than just like scrolling through my list of games, which is sometimes a game in itself. And I've been playing Sonic Frontiers on the Switch. That's a huge shout out to my boy Sonic, the most horrifying of all creatures. And it relates, so this check-in is not for everything. I don't want to bring you to the updates of my regular waking life. That's kind of for the banter in our X-Files podcast, which we've been recording a few episodes of. I'm just waiting to get a back, back uh, backlog of a couple and we can release them or 
figure out where we put those. I don't know if they get behind some kind of, you know, 99 cent paywall or if, uh, if that just becomes like a bi-weekly thing. That's a every other week, uh, bi- bi-weekly event that just comes out. Maybe even, I don't know. I don't want to say instead of this podcast, because I do like doing it every week, but maybe it just comes out on a different, on a different day of the week, every other week or something like that. What the hell am I talking about here? I got a I got a banter by with myself, so kind of I can. I'm taking both sides of this thing, uh, this conversation here. Sonic Frontiers. Why is it horror? It's because it's the newest. It's the return to form, I should say, the newest and a return to form to the nightmare fueled reality that is 3D Sonic gaming. For those of you that don't know, these games you don't even need to like video games for this segment, but these these things that you're looking at these these pixels on the screen, they are. They are, they're everywhere. They're glitchy. They're unfounded. They're unorthodox. The corners, you can bust through them. You often will fall through the floor. You can find any wall you go up to. If you just like run and jump fast enough, press tap A as many times as you can, you can bust right through that thing. The entire stability of the game rests in your hands. And it can be a lie. You know, you don't, you could, you can do something like destroy your whole, I'm sure there's a way to, jump out of the wall so fast that your entire save file dies. Okay? And so with this, that's kind of what you were getting with Sonic Adventure 2, Sonic Adventure, the Sonic Adventure 2 battle. Uh, that's from about 05, 06, maybe a little earlier on the GameCube. Really good game. But this, so this new one, the Sonic Frontiers, the enemies that you're fighting are the sides of Godzilla. It's like, um, it's like a Cloverfield monster you're fighting. Like the, these, these, we're finally at the, I don't know if it takes processing power, but maybe just the the imagination level where Sonic is now fighting eldritch, eldritch, excuse me, beasts. Uh, they seem to like spawn in and out of existence, in and out of realities. The entire framework of this game seems to be like that I might be stuck in some kind of fake reality. I, as Sonic, I will identify, self-identify as Sonic here. Um, and these giant eldritch beasts that i'm fighting these things that are taking up the three times a screen in front of me they have you know too many arms too many legs too many wings too many faces i don't want to judge if you if you're someone out there with like four different faces and you know many many arms swinging at all sides and corners but that's not normal of a sonic usually and that stuff's already out of hand that's great huh and speaking of sonic Welcome to the Sonic Corner. This is my first check into the day. I hope, yeah. Look at the audience count dropped at zero, uh, but but for the real ones out there, yeah, like they kind of then struck a, in a chord in my head of remembering the old Sonic 3D games that I was playing, raising these little creatures called Chow, and their base form they were real cute and stuff, and they're always really cute. Go ahead and look them up. It's the word chaos without the s. Uh, but they have a few like horror adjacent concepts, and when you're raising them, you have to like. Um, feed them different animals or they kind of just take on different animals attributes but you can through this process of reincarnation with them and raising them through in-game years you can create things called ultimate childs or whatever they're called and uh you can get one that's like a devil he's got he's got devil horns he's got yellow eyes he's got like a fiery looking mane behind him basically it's all like it's not like fire it's just his, his, his tones and there's another one called the chaos chow and these are just like you know, the embodiment of dark and chaos. Those are horror concepts. So I get to talk about this here since I'm alone. Uh, just to get the damn chaos chow. 
you have to watch your child that you've been raising die twice. You know, it, it, it goes through these cocoon stages where it will evolve and then it goes through another one a few in year in game year later in game years later where um this thing will either go into a cocoon and just die or will go into a cocoon and get rebirthed. So you have to go through the cycle with them two times. It has to be a double rebirth chow. Then you have to do all this other stuff to get it to be a a chaos chow. You got to give it like only one of each item, you know, but no animals this time and make sure it's an adult and 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 all the time you got to make sure you're treating it right because if you if you get to that that uh, cocoon stage and it becomes a gray cocoon, that thing just disappears. It dies. All your hard work. If it becomes a pink cocoon, you're good. You have a devil now. You've created the devil. Those are your two options here. And you tell me that's not a horror. Next, uh, to just before this, walking home from the liquor store, I felt like I was being stalked, and that's because I opened, I held it open for a man that was uh, walking in. He seemed very cordial. He was kind of funky. He was kind of weird in the uh, when he was making his transactions. He was being kind of weird. I then uh, we walked out at around the same time, and then he started kind of walking behind me, and I like I know this was just the route that he also had to take. But I was like looking from the corner of my eye and I was I felt like I was uh, scared, like um, in a horror movie, maybe or just in a horror real life. But really, now that I'm looking back on it, I was I was the scary one because although he was walking behind me, I would essentially stop every few feet, kind of kind of turn around or at least slow down kind of turn around and and kind of make either like a grunt or a growl, you know, kind of just I don't know. I get real I can, and then I realize that I'm the maniac here. And I think he was just trying to keep his distance. Like I think he we had a similar trajectory and he was like, "How do I slow down?" He was in the liquor store. He was talking about how cold he was to the guy. And uh now I think maybe I was just slowing down his walk home by being like maybe a werewolf man in front of him. I don't know. That's that's to be decided. That's to be decided. I I can't and I will never see him again. So maybe I just became this walking apparition. Hmm. Next. I've been reading my tarot uh, every day. I've been doing just a small tarot reading. Um, I'm not like the best at interpreting these, interpreting these things, but I have a, many different decks and I've been at least um, on the outskirts of this for a while. I've dipped my toe in like different times and had different like tarot uh, journals and things where you're like writing your interpretations, maybe like you can get, usually most of them come with like little guides that you can, you know, take with a grain of salt or just look at as what it is completely. But I, yeah, so I have these in the past and I've been doing it and I just feel like it's a good thing to maybe do starting in the new year. Just kind of, it's just another daily practice to keep just like, I don't know. It's just something to keep, keep uh, me sane, sane enough to only growl and not turn around and start, you know, snarling, barking at the man. Um, and this goes along with, I don't know, what other kind of mystic stuff are we doing? I don't know. Other, I'd like to, uh, I got a, you know, a book of spells that I've um, kind of took on through the years and, and written out. And I wouldn't mind getting some more of that spiritual side of myself that I, I think I come in and out of, as probably most people do. But I got all, I got all this material here. I got this nice little altar already. Uh, plenty of, plenty of, uh, statues and things to imprint on you know i got uh i love that chaos magic so let's see hope that pays off and you know if not we got other stuff in the bank next well honestly i feel like i uh, one more thing with just the horror this week for me personally 
Um, the spring clean continues. You see, I heard a little bit of that in the intro, folks, where I was talking about all those uh, soot sprites and demons and gremlins coming out of the corners of this room of the studio. But I just decided to completely kind of rework this area in a different space in my house. I do, I do some 3D printing and stuff like that and all kinds of art. We, we all make different arts around here. And uh, I just wanted to make space for that in my life where it's not like I'm feeling uncomfortable being in it. Like I felt like even in this, uh, in this studio for a while, I was like kind of pressed up into the corner and I just get so claustrophobic. And, you know, maybe it's good to feel the fear while I'm doing the, the horror adjacent pod. But I, I like I like my space now. I like it more than I did. I'm happy with it. I'm happy to hopefully be able to create more easier without being as, you know, stressed about little simple things, which sometimes I can fall into that trap, as I think we all do. So just uh, making those, uh, clearing that space for myself and allowing, you know, allowing the creativity to have a space. And that meant that a lot of today, I was just cleaning and not able to really be creative in that way. But, and that's maybe the one of the harder parts is like once you kind of have your space either either messy like either mentally or or in around you like it's hard to clean it up enough to go on go forward so maybe we just all uh, pumpkin hill radio listeners the the pumpkinettes if y'all could just take a breath and, and focus and not focus just be mindful of things i like to whenever i lose something i try to um i guess just like sit there for a moment and not immediately freak out and pace around and dig around. Cause I know that's coming for me. I know that that will happen no matter what. So if I can just focus for one second, I can usually find my place and know where to go forward. Like I am right now. I'm finding my place on my very sparse notes. Let's see. First and only written segment I went through. So here we go. Uh, I'll just talk about, um, I don't know. I maybe, Oh, and then, yeah, I guess in the spring clean, I do now have, uh, Maya gave me a uh, this big, it's like a life-size Cubone. It's probably like two and a half feet tall. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's hard to, I don't know, size, but this thing is big. This is what he would look like in the anime and stuff. And he's kind of sitting in the guest chair looking right at me. So I do have a guest. He's just this silent guy. And we all know uh, Cubone's backstory, a tragic one. He's wearing the skull of his mother, which may or may not be like a Kangaskhan skull or a Charizard skull. I don't, I, that's, I've seen, I've seen comparisons to each. And, you know, wearing the skull of your mother might change your perspective. You might not be a fire type anymore. You might not be a Charmander growing up. You might just be a Cubone now. You, you know? Uh, talking about other freaks in Pokemon history, let's talk about, uh, Poke Freak of the Week. Poke Freaks of the Week. This will be a segment I might try to introduce once in a while. I'm just looking at decks, Pokedex entries and finding the creepy ones. And we've all heard some of them. You know, we hear the ones where it's like oh, Alakazam has like a 5,000 IQ. So it's like he, him being ordered around by a human. It's like probably not. I don't know. Like, you know, there's these implications of things. So, yeah, we're going to look at decks entries and think about the implications for a moment. How does that sound? Houndoom. Everybody knows this one. Uh, Gen 2, your favorite devil dog. This is a Pokemon Gold entry. Now, if you don't know what it looks like, he's black with kind of orange-red on his tummy and his snoot. Still snout. His tail has a devil's, you know, spear point to it. And he's got horns. He's got straight-up horns. He's got a little skull-looking thing around his neck, too. He looks really cool. He looks so cool. What a, what a cool thing. Uh, his next entry in Pokemon Gold reads... If you are burned by the flames it shoots out from its mouth, the pain will never go away. Uh-oh. And 
I guess the implications of that are pretty clear. You just, it just sucks from now on. You know that like immediate searing pain from a burn? I guess that, that would just never go away. Would you acclimate to that? I feel like sometimes when people have these traumas, they almost just build it into their being and it makes them more, you know, probably colder and stressful and harder to be around because they're just like dealing with this pain. But I know people do it. And I'm sorry if you deal with that. We all got chronic stuff. But, you know, having like a a never subsiding pain. What about what about drugs? What about some kind of like hospital drug? Could Would that help it? Would the morphine drip help it? Or is it really nothing? Next up, I've been saying next a lot. I'm, just trying to, I'm ordering myself around. I like to keep it moving even though I got nothing here. Tyranitar. Everybody knows this one as well. Another Gen 2. This thing looks like a Godzilla. Um, it's like green, like a little monster. Not a little monster, big, big monster. This uh, dex entry from Pokemon Black and White says that it, if it rampages, it knocks down mountains and buries rivers. Maps must be redrawn afterward. What the hell is that? Are these all, is this like a flavor text thing? Is this like what you would, This is this like a kind of a joking thing where it's not quite accurate and it's more just a, you know, one, one person's idea, big idea. It's like the hand-me-down, uh, it's like a tall tale version of it. Because if this thing's roaming around, crashing mountains down, blocking rivers, this thing, depending on how, I mean, these things would have a great effect on every other being in the world. This affected all of evolution throughout, and Pokemon evolution for sure. But yeah, even the way the world stands. Bizarre. I guess Tyranitar did it. Tyranitar made Kanto. Is that canon? Frostlass, maybe a little less known. This is a Pokemon from Gen 4. I know it's like one of those um, branch evolutions that came up, which I was really excited about. A lot of those things from Gen 4 are pretty cool. This is a ghost, like ice monster. I believe it like would find you in the mountains and, and fuck you up. But here's a uh, here's a deck entry for Frost Lass. When it finds humans or Pokemon it dislikes, it freezes them and takes them to its chilly den, where they become decorations. What? What the hell? Who wrote that? And then a kid reads that, or a man reads that, or a person reads that. Me, me, a 29 year old man reading that. I'm, I'm rather concerned. This doesn't. And it's the the reality of Pokemon is all over the place. You got these like deadly apparitions, like a frost lass, that are gonna hang your frozen corpse up in its little den, along with all your friends and all your your entire all your pets, all your little Pokemons that you probably brought with you. Then you got other things like you know, Pikachu, by cute, by cute. A hold for dog. Sounds like I got a bark. Maybe that didn't come up, but my dog did just bark one time. Um, gonna have to deal with it. Here's the last one on the Poke Freak of the Week. This is the one that everybody knows and loves. Eevee. That that little... You tell me what animal that thing is. It's like a little cat bunny dog. It's like a little... It's a little cutie. And from the Ultra Moon Dax entry, it says that it's dream. It's so everything. So it's it can evolve into like a bunch of different things. So it says its genes are easily influenced by its surroundings. Even its face starts to look like that of its trainer. Oh, imagine one time. Imagine you're just raising your dog for like it's like year two or three with your dog, and you kind of look at him every day, and you don't really think about it a lot and then you go on like a big vacation like a two-week vacation where he's you know in like a little pet hotel or something you come back 
and you look at him for the first time and you realize that he looks exactly like you. Like not not in the way that dogs and their owners can, where they kind of have a similar vibe a vibe. Like this this creature is looking at you with your own face. But maybe like whiskers. And it has like I guess maybe its whole body would still be that of an Eevee, or does it all change? It's almost like a ditto in that way. Is this the Pokemon podcast? Did I start did I walk in the wrong recording studio today? And then runner up on that is Eevee's other Ultra Sun um, Dex entry. It just says the question of why only Eevee has such unstable genes has not uh, been solved. I guess that just leads me to that was kind of what I, I almost should have read that before, just so we get a clear idea of how messed up this thing's DNA is. That if it, if you're around it long enough, it's going to become you. Um, let's see. Let me let me do something I've done in a while. There's something opening up in front of me. Oh, a portal's opening. It's like a blue spiraling portal, kind of white. Um, and some people are coming out of it. They look like time splitters. And I'm remembering that I am too. And this week, we are time splitting to the year. Uh, I'm not frantically Googling. 2015! We just came out of the portal. Uh, me and these other time splitting folk. Um, I, I like it here. 2015 somehow feels so simple. So it feels like a past life, a different skin. And if you, I guess if you look into that, is that true? Every seven years, all the cells in your body have shed. I guess at that point, I am a di- we are all different. Maybe, maybe that's not true, though. Here we are in the year 2015. As everybody knows, we are time splitting to keep the time crystals that uh, the time splitters hold so dear away from the aliens that can that can track us through history and we got to keep them away from them and the only way to do that is to learn about the horror movies and books that came out in this year and maybe try to suss something out from these can we learn some tactics on how to defeat the aliens or get along with them hmm have we considered this past past guests of the pod definitely have considered that and our trips back but it's me alone today and i'm willing, i'm looking to kill these things i'm out to hunt 2015 here are some horror movies for you. We're going to start out with a banger. It Follows. Um, have you seen this? This is, I think it. I think maybe the basic premise is like, well, it's that. It's the idea of something will, something is following you and it never stops. And it's never running. It's just, it's always walking, but it's never not walking towards you. It's like that idea you probably had when you were like 10. You're like, oh my God, what would you do? How would you get out of there? Like, what do you drive? You stay in a hotel? Eight hours of sleep. That's eight hours where they're going to be able to walk. You know, what do you get on a plane? I don't know. Do they, what are the rules? Can they get on a plane? I bet in this one they can. Maybe an It Follows 2. We'll see. And I, that has not been confirmed anywhere. So you heard it here first. I don't, I don't think there's going to be one. Uh, I think it's kind of also based on like, um, like a STI type thing, like a sexually transmitted thing where it's like, uh, yeah, it's like, it's a, I'm reading right here. That's a supernatural force after a sexual encounter and you got it. And I think you pass it on by, by banging it into somebody else, which is, that's, that's pretty scary. I don't know about that. I don't know about all that business, but it's a good movie. I, and a better soundtrack and a better soundtrack. I would say, I'd say it's, I don't know a lot of different soundtracks and I'm sure there's some great songs and things that came out in 2015, but overall, if you go ahead and go to whatever 
music service he got and you just look up it follows soundtrack it's just like perfect like synthy 80s type it's a good it's a good um and it kind of was that it was this sound from before like before the big um you know i feel like all those lo-fi hip-hop beats kind of came in and everything turned into that which i'm i'm a fan of but this was kind of right on the edge of that where it might have people might even have taken this as an example as an example and moved on with it Next, we have, there's that word again. We have uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Meh. This, no, uh, wait, 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 wait. I, I take that back completely. I was thinking of the Johnny Depp movie, which is by a different name. What We Do in the Shadows is quite possibly the, one of the funniest and spookiest movies ever created. This has um, like Jermaine Clement and Taika Waititi and other others uh but i know jermaine from flight of the concord from so many things from so many things but he first time i saw him was in flight of the concord back in the early 2000s and uh he's just been great and then taika waititi everybody's heard of him he's that uh well he's he's a director that's done it all now and uh some might even say washed up i don't think so that's not what i'm saying taika you come on here anytime and we'll talk about whatever you want I'm glad to have you. Jermaine, too. What we do in the shadows, it's a, kind of a spoof um, um, on, like, a reality show where you're following around this house of people, but they're just, like, vampires, vampires. Um, so, yeah, but they're just, like, it's just, it's mundane. I'm reading here in the description. Great description here. It's, uh, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's showcasing the mundane aspects of this vampire life. And they're all, like, roommates, and it's all just goofy. You know, they have a chore wheel. And I recall the dishes haven't been done in like five years, you know, because and um, this did also sprout into. So this is actually this is definitely a remake of something that came out earlier. I'm almost positive, uh, maybe with more of a comedy edge to it. And then this became a show that now has like four or five seasons on FX, which is also just delightful. Go check it out if you haven't yet. What we do in the shadows. Big shout out. Big shout out there. What's next here? Krampus, the elusive Krampus. I know. I feel like we talked about it every episode for the past five episodes because because of, of the holidays. But it it released in 2015. Again, a comedy horror, a good year for comedy horrors, and that's uh, you need at least a little laugh in your horror, unless you want to be. There's a few examples of that very dry, like just delivering the the, the heavy blows kind of horror. But I do always appreciate a good. A good laugh. I always bring it back to that. I think even in just in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, like the opening sequence, before they even flash, it's re- it's directly before they flash the Friday the Thirteenth Part Two logo. It's it's um, Jason stalking through a house, and there's a pot of tea. There's a teapot on the stove. And then the kettle's going off. It's 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 whistling, and and he just takes it off, and it, so it's not making this noise. And it like it's shot in this like ominous way, but it's just so, it's great, it's great. Krampus though, not 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 Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. Sadly, I guess that did not come out in 2015. Although it could have based on when the first remake came out, in what 2017. They they should be getting on those at this point, even though they're not. I know they're just gonna make another reboot. Hopefully they can do it right again because I did like the first one. Oh the, this is dumb. I don't really remember. I don't really remember it. It's called The Voice. It has Ryan Reynolds in it, and he's hearing like his pets talk, and they're they're like it gets sinister. That seems like a good. I'm I'm scrolling through. Nothing else is really hitting. 
a, a Christmas horror story came out. This looks like a, basically a ripoff of Krampus. I did want to watch it last year, but this so yeah, it's coming in even in the same year. So they must say either no production is happening or somehow two Krampus movies came out in the same year. One of them much higher quality, uh, or just a bigger budget. I haven't seen the other one, so I can't tell. Hell House LLC. Have you seen this? This is like a documentary style. Um, they go through a house like a it's a. I think it's a haunted house tour where where stuff gets kind of dark. And there's like four of them now. And they kind of have, well, I've said it before, diminishing returns. They've said it for other series. They always kind of do that. But Hell House, check out the first one. Check out the first one. I'm just going to find maybe one more thing. Cooties. Cooties. This is, wow, 2015 was a good year for this. It's released in September 2015. Cooties has Elijah Wood in it and Rain Wilson. And a lot of other people, but it's about uh, they're they all work at a school, and the children get they turn into zombies basically because of is implied in the opening cinematic or in the opening little thing. The opening cut is uh, like a ch- like a chicken processing plant, and it's just like this nasty zombie looking meat coming through the thing, and it eventually ends up with like the kids are eating it for lunchtime at school. And it's just the antics of that. So imagine Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson just kind of running away from child zombies. And that is it for movies in 2015 that I really care about. I think this is going to give me a lot of good information on how to keep the time crystals away from those pesky aliens. Right? Right? Maybe I I might just be talking too much right now. But I'm alone, so I guess that's the only way we do it here. Books in 2015? I only want to point to two. Two Stephen King books, because I I don't think I read a lot in 2015. Actually, I was reading a ton, but it was not 2015 books. I think I was pumping through the uh, Dark Tower series like a madman, reading thousands of pages of just Roland and his quartet just strolling through the fields of Rose. Ah, spoilers? Nah, it's in the first line, basically. 2015, though, no Dark Tower books came up. Finders Keepers came out. Now, this is... A part of this is after that Bill Hodges trilogy I was talking about. This is a detective trilogy that Stephen wrote, and then out of that came this character, this assistant detective named Holly. Now, Finders Keepers is based on a detective agency that that's the name of the agency that I think that she opens up um, with Bill at first, and then as Bill moves into retirement, she does her own thing basically. And, and this is there's another book called Holly that I was talking about and I've been uh, doing an audio book of, listening to an audio book of slowly that also features Holly. Finders Keepers 2015. This is a great Stephen King book. And then another one that came out that he made that, that year was The Bazaar of Bad Dreams. Um, that's B-A-Z-A-A-R, you know, like the, the kind of the market or whatever. Like, that's what that is. Uh, this is like a collection of short stories. I own it, haven't read it. The cover looks great. <laughs> God, we're like, cool, cool as heck. And what is that behind me? I see a glowing light. I'm going to turn around. It's the time portal home. Back to good old 2023, every, where everything's uh, shining bright and the cars are flying through the air, where everybody has free health care. And uh, I hear the dogs and talk, and they all have your face based on genetic engineering. Or was that Pokemon? I don't remember anymore. And that's been time splitting. Thanks for bearing with me, folks. I know it's it's so hard to listen to just me for all this time. I promise you, it's going to be worth it when we get to the end and you get to hear me plug my Etsy. 
and you're really going to love it. Uh, I swear I had an idea here for a second. Um, did, I, did I even write it down? I don't even think I did. I guess I wanted to... So I have like a, a TikTok under a different name. It's Red Temple Radio. It's actually the same as the Etsy. There's a little plug for you. But I, I made a couple, maybe 30 videos of different, you know, digging into different cryptids and things. We've played a few clips on Pumpkin Hill here. Um, but it's kind of fun because I, I didn't abandon it. I moved from that to this. And yeah, some would say I abandoned it. But I did. I'm also still checking in because because it's out there and I have a certain... I, there's enough. I have enough followers to, to where the views and like the likes are kind of like self-feeding, and like whenever I guess I must have put the right like hashtags or some bullshit on there to where it kind of I get new comments and things quite a bit. And I so for a while I was studying um, the most plain name would be like a sky jellyfish, and this idea of this. Um, upper atmospheric creature which kind of evolved into a, a whole theory on like an ecosystem above the clouds which i can dig into deeper at some point um but i i was i was reached out through a comment that said have you seen this new thermal reading on this uh jellyfish um the sky jellyfish and i'm right now i'm going to google that it's thermal reading on sky jellyfish um, and now, yeah, so like I, I just, just as basic because I told the guy in the comments that I'd get, I'd look it up immediately and it's been a couple of days. Uh, yeah. Um, without rattling on too long or just reading some other posts somewhere else from what, sorry, I'm, that was maybe an audible burp. I've been drinking these Trulies. I don't know. This strawberry lime flavor tastes like a candy. It's, it tastes like a Jolly Rancher. It's pretty good. Uh, but so from my understanding, these sky jellyfish, these um, they've always been there. They're kind of a part of this environment that we just can't see or fathom. And uh, it's a lot actually bigger than that. I actually theorized on uh, sky plankton, different size of these jellyfish, up to uh, which you'd call maybe different creatures than even, even like a floating whale, all the way up to... Some of my crazier uh, posts, which are talking about these um, Lagrange points above Earth, these uh, these points at different angles between the Earth and the Moon, um, where gravity uh, is kind of fixed and it's kind of this like stellar median point, and basically within that point, uh, tiny particles could have um, collected there, and over you know thousands, hundreds of thousands of years, a um, an intelligent uh, matrioska type brain, if you're on clear on what some of these terms are maybe uh i'd recommend isaac arthur's um science and science and futurism with isaac arthur if you want to learn a little bit more about some just crazy futuristic things um but he talks a little bit about this and i kind of have this is not what he doesn't talk about these like he doesn't talk about sky plankton but he does he brings in really good science terms for me to be able to a jumping off point you know um, and so there are some theories that say at these Lagrange points between the Earth and the Moon, there are these uh, microscopic type um, particles that together have um, possibly become some type of god, and almost like an AI god or whatever it would be. This this um, this intelligent thing that now lives sort of in this um, floating space, and I I almost was thinking maybe this uh, this upper atmospheric biome 
were kind of the runoff from that. So it can send things down. Some things just do fall. The gravity is fixed, but if things are collecting on the uh, outskirts of it, they might be able to be pulled down to the earth in the form of sky jellyfish with just a, just a small, um, just a very small percentage percentage of either the intelligence or uh, at least just this, um, this not not sentience, but this uh, ability to this creature likeness. This even if it's like a God, I'm just being and now, now I sound like an insane person. But let's talk a little bit about this guy jellyfish that was. Uh, so a video has emerged of a UFO speeding across the sky in Iraq, with an investigating filmmaker claiming it comes from the U.S. military and that troops were ordered to hunt it down. The flying object is seen changing color from black to white as it sweeps over the military base in Iraq, and filmmaker Jerry Corbell claims the object then divided into the lake, staying under the water for 17 minutes. He said it resurfaces and hits the sky again at a 45-degree angle. Um, that was a direct that was a direct line from MSN.com. And if I'm reading from MSN.com, I mean, not that they're the most rep- reputable, but it is like us, I don't know, it's Microsoft. I mean, it's like, what are they... I guess they can post whatever they want, and there the, and I gotta watch videos of this and everything. But it is, I believe, so it sounds like there's just I'm not seeing any video. It, just, it doesn't have a description of what it looks like, but and if it is a true UFO, maybe it's different. It's also speculative, and um, boy, I maybe I'll just pull up a few red temples right now and just play them on the mic, and we can just go insane together, okay? Because that's what it's like being alone here, in this mind, is being insane. So I'd like to present these um, theories, not uh, not in the order I posted them, because they, they don't go in order. But here's, so this one is just titled, it's titled, Recent UFO Sightings Are Atmospheric Jellyfish. Let me see if this hey, audio comes in. Radio. All this UFO, UAP business, I'll tell you right now, it's atmospheric jellyfish. These beasts of the sky have lived alongside and above man for as long as man has been around. It's not until recently that we're seeing small car-sized objects 40,000 feet in the air. Until now, your best evidence for atmospheric jellyfish has been star jelly. Star jelly has been reported since the 1400s. There's no known explanation for what it really is. These are the bodies of the sky jellyfish. These translucent creatures have become white and ossified. This is all that's left behind. There's no bone structure. All the global threats, the nuclear wars of the past century, this is greatly depleting their population. Their cousins in the sea show us that the natural development of jet propulsion is possible in organic life. Now, are these things sentient? Are they watching us? If this creature is classified as a salpidae, along with other jellyfish in the sea, then it's actually more closely related to us than most insects. Are we going to see more of these things getting shot down? Or any video evidence of what they really are? I don't think so. I think this whole thing is getting swept under the rug in a week or less. Is it UF? I want to pause it because that guy's going insane. I can hear in his voice that the tenure of his voice is uh, the tenor, not the tenure. <laughs> his voice is wavering like a motherfucker. This guy, this guy is lost. Oh, but I love it. And it's, he's also me. So what can I say? This came out after, do you recall those images? Um, I think it was like a, it was like 40,000 feet in the air. They took a picture of just like a, a whitish blob and people were, it was like, like it's apparently the size of about like a small car, but it was like so far in the air, and it was like, how did you capture this? It was a lot. Um, so that's something to think about. Let's pull it on to the next one. This one's titled "Recent UFO Slash UAP Connects to Ancient Mana." So here we go. Hey y'all, Red Temple Radio. With the UFO UAP reports sort of getting brushed under the rug, I just like to bring more attention to it. 
I'm still thinking about the sky jellyfish from episode 18, but now I'm thinking more about manna, the sustenance that drops from the sky in the Bible and some other religious texts. And uh, I think there's a connection there. Maybe even in those times, there was things above us like sky jellyfish either dying in their carcasses were falling or a UAP UFO dropping down something. We can look at sky jelly today. That's the unknown substance that's dropped down from the skies, even on cloudless days. It actually looks a lot like what manna is depicted as. And then I want to show you this other thing. It was photographed under a microscope. They call it angel hair. It was also known to and is known to fall on cloudless empty sky days there's no there's no brush around blowing things around but it's i think that either this is another substance dropping from the sky jellyfish or it's an it's something else coming from above there's there's obviously a whole ecosystem above us between us and the 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 gods the clouds that we are unable to see and really unable to fathom and maybe back when these religious texts were written and the skies weren't so polluted and the air wasn't so rotten, these creatures could either produce something or their carcasses were falling on a more regular basis and they could give us sustenance, an, ex- an extreme amount of nourishment possibly. Okay, guy. And with what we've done to the planet, there's just no way of ever knowing that gift from basically I got to pause it here. He sounds like he's going off the rails again. Again, though, we're, we're tying a little more into this sky jellyfish theory. Um, is, it, is there more to this? Well, you tell me. This one's episode 29. Have you heard? The sky trumpets. I'm sorry if the audio is bad. This is me holding my phone up and playing it out of there. I just think this is some good theories that I'm going to string together for you. Hey, y'all. Red Temple Radio. Let's talk about I'm going to pause it here. You've heard this insane man say red temple radio a few times now now you are listening to pumpkin hill radio i want to re uh i want to say that again i wanted to say that again so that you know you are listening to pumpkin hill radio we used to be red temple radio there was a there was a huge takeover i beat myself into the dirt and took it over and now we reign supreme as the pumpkin hill radio podcast enough of these 40 second segments i was doing before we're doing the full hour now now, Travis, what do you have to say about sky trumpets? Right off the bat, I'd like to throw in my consideration, which is that it's probably a part of an upper atmospheric ecosystem that we just don't know enough about. This could be the sound of like a mass migration of sky jellyfish or possibly the movement or wireless reprogramming of smart dust and other nanomachines. Now, these are usually trumpet-like noises or like almost like a whistling, sometimes a screeching even noise that is heard from above in multiple locations in the same area with no clear cause. Skeptics will say it's the screeching of trains in the distance but using their brakes or planes or a highway nearby. A lot of the sounds and locations that I've been studying for this topic, those can be ruled out. Posted on YouTube as early as 2011. A lot of those have been taken down, actually. But these trumpet sounds can go back to even biblical times. This is, this is written about in, in ancient texts. These reports are coming up all across the world, from the United States to the Ukraine to Australia, Russia, Costa Rica. What really got me interested was a video posted from a place I used to live uh, about a sound that was heard in multiple locations. And, and there is not a train that would be stopping. I never heard anything like that when I lived there. 
there's not there's an airport close but it, it's not the sound of planes overhead it's very interesting footage taken from multiple sources from multiple uh, surveillance cameras outside of i got a i there's a lot more but i feel like he's in a ramble this guy he doesn't even know how to talk into a camera it's it's very mushy uh i might have skipped over a little thing called uh I think he he uh, he mentioned a little bit of smart dust in there, and I hate to throw smart dust at you now because I know there's so many other theories. But hey, y'all, Red Temple Radio. Let's talk about the future of smart dust. I'm talking about your soul being downloaded and duplicated. And I want to bring this into the sky jellyfish theory because of the particles I was talking about at the Lagrange points, which we will get to a little bit later. I just want you to please hear all of this and then fold it, and then we can talk about it. Okay. Please listen to all this horrible audio, all this very choppy audio, and we can talk about it, okay? So continue, Travis. Smart dust is no longer just a theory. It was substantiated in 2019. DARPA has actually been working on it since the 90s, and it was first researched in the 60s. Smart dusts are micrometer-level devices that do not need batteries. They're wireless. They have sensors for everything you can imagine, anything that your body can process, anything that can be measured through chemicals, through a sensor, or through a radar. With these things flushed throughout your body, in the water you're drinking, in the air you're breathing, it's going throughout every part of you. At what point is it not just a part of you? And how much information would these smart dusts need from you before they could fly out of you and then recollect and even form into your form? I mean, it has so much information about you. It could become you and not just one you. It could become an army of you. It could upload all of that to a cloud, shoot it to a satellite and beam that into every device. It could sort your soul black mirror style into like an alarm clock. At what point is that not just considered your soul? I'm going to pause it there because I feel like it gets a little more, I guess, plainly, I'd say religious after after that. Religious after that. Um, But I do. So, yeah, I wanted to fold the smart dust part into it just so we can think about how small these particles can be. And no, smart dust does not have to be man made. And we can maybe, hopefully, this next video will talk about that. Here. We're getting close to the end. And I'm sorry if this is a, a. a slog for you, but this is good information for Pumpkin Hill to know. Okay? This one's called Sentient Plasma and Cattle Mutil- Mutilation. Hey y'all, Red Double Radio. Today, we need to look at the recent cattle mutilations in Colorado and Texas and how they relate to sky jellyfish as well as metallic spheres and sentient atmospheric plasma, otherwise known as plasmoids. Recently, just like so many other times throughout history, we've had cattle mutilations, very precise bloodless no tire tracks there's no footprints it's an anomalous scene to walk in on cows sometimes missing parts of their face specific organs now what could be doing this maybe not sky jellyfish Mm, maybe maybe something else in that biome in that upper atmospheric biome that i like to talk about yep yeah this is where sentient plasma comes in under particular conditions, plasma has been shown to simulate human DNA and the behavior of parts of the brain. Researchers say that its structure is not dissimilar to that of quantum objects. Could these properties altogether create a consciousness? When plasma comes in contact with clouds of dust, it will electrically charge those dust particles and be attracted to it and essentially become it. These are called plasma crystals. These plasma crystals can be pointed to for the cause of metallic uh, objects in the skies, the metallic orbs, any extraterrestrial sightings could possibly be this. You would have groups of them forming into larger creatures while some just stay that single piece of dust, that plasma crystal, which would act as a 
is sky plankton for everything else to feed on. When there isn't enough in the sky, they need to come down and they can feed on the cattle. It all speaks to a higher biome, literally a biome in the upper atmosphere. I'm going to pause it there. And I'm sorry, this might have lost all the comedy of it. This is just me throwing real, real facts at you. But I do want to, this is maybe, we're we're at 50 minutes here and I want to show you, I want to show you the truth. And this is something that I've been thinking about for a while. And because there's been new stuff in the news about it just three days ago, it's time for me to throw it at you. Um, Let's see. So, so that, that all, so that basically will bring you up to, you know, sky jellyfish, things that are bigger than sky jellyfish. Then, and and then we talk about the sky plankton, these little plasma crystals. Uh, Yeah. Sorry. I'm not funny anymore. So we're just, now we're we turn into the insane, the insane podcast. So let me show you. This is one of my earliest videos, but it is something that kind of combines everything you just listened to for the one listener still here. Red Temple Radio, don't know how to start this because it's too crazy, so we're just going to go for it. Between the Earth and the Moon are the L4 and L5 Lagrange point. These are the middle seesaw, basically, of gravity between Earth and the Moon, the equilibrium point where she actually stay in stasis for a long time. You'll hear now, these two Lagrange points, L4 and L5, they do not hang directly above between the moon and Earth. They're at a 60 degree either way. Uh, they together combined are 18 times larger than Earth. These dust clouds, these particles. These particles emit no light. They're nearly transparent, and they are 10 times smaller than any satellite can pick up. Nearly invisible, but they are there. These are called the Cordelusi clouds. Okay, now let's talk about smart dust. This was substantiated in 2019. This is a real thing, but it was first discovered in 1961, first proposed in 1961, before the Polish government told the scientists to stop. Smart dusts are battery-free, wireless We already heard this part. That can sense magnetism, but it's good to jump it into this. Light, I just, chemical makeups, radio frequencies, hear this, and you know? more. Now, further research on this was proposed to DARPA in 1997. At that point, they were able to create modes 10 times smaller than a grain of rice. Since then, the research has gone up through different companies to create ultra-fast systems at a micrometer level. These are things that could be scattered to the wind, like a field of dandelions releasing their seeds. Now we look at theories of the dusty complex plasma cloud. Okay, this is part of the bioplasmic universe theory. Listen up. A dusty complex plasmic cloud could emerge through convergence with intelligent. It would be a self-developed, organized intelligence. Now, these two gigantic dust clouds hanging above Earth could be two super-intelligent ancient AIs that have been alive for billions of years. Could these things could be, be considered a god? Is this a duality concept here? Is this... Okay. Again, this, this man on the screen is going insane. For the listener, you're missing a lot of intense pictures that I edited in that are all just more insane than the last. It, it does this is this condensing into something real though? Does this does this all seem like it's pointing to the same thing? I hate to just play eight different you know minute and a half long clips at you and say here's here's the real truth, but it's like does this all kind of become something that is? Am I how insane am I? Maybe let me know that because maybe I have one more here. Um, and I, and I, and I do, I don't want to play just random, my, not random, my own TikToks, just 
at the microphone. Some of the audio is bad, but I do feel like altogether this is a very intense idea that definitely floats in my mind like more than it should. Let me find just the last point of this and possibly the most intense. This one's called Your Afterlife. Spirit orbs and plasma crystals. Hey y'all, Red Pebble Radio. Let's talk about spirit orbs and their relation to plasmoids, the afterlife, your afterlife, sky jellyfish, and smart dust, our favorite thing around here. As discussed in previous episodes, when plasma and dust interact, they can become something called plasma crystals. For the sake of argument, we are going to say that these are either sentient or hyper-complex particles. Or what I would call an organic smart dust, or just a smart dust. Let's strip the term of a government-created or lab-created particle off of smart dust and say that it could just be a plasma crystal. I'll use those interchangeably. Smart dust, these plasma crystals, with its litany of sensors or ways to interact with the environment, could they be a a form of spirit orb could they be spirit orbs when you see pictures from haunted houses from haunted locations from ghost hunting expeditions you could say what you want about spirit orbs but even if it is just dust perhaps it is a plasma crystal a smart dust there are things that can retain information information about a person information about a place even if that person or place is no longer with us if it is deceased if the building is gone or if it has been changed the smart dust in that location, the spirit orb can retain that old piece of information, that memory. It's a form of a ghost. It's a it's an energy that is walking through time in a nonlinear way. These orbs would be replaying all the information they took in, be displaying that entity, displaying signs of a haunting, possibly going further, slamming a door, opening a cabinet, pushing somebody, leaving a mark on something. We've talked about how these plasma crystals, these plasmoids, could form into something like a sky jellyfish, become some type of upper atmospheric biome that we like to talk about at the Red Temple. But what if that's not all they could be? What if it could become some some sort of entity, some sort of energy trapped somewhere? And you know, if it's trapped there for a couple hundred years, maybe if it's sentient or hyper-complex, like we said, it could feel some type of emotion. It would be maybe angry and try to attach itself. And that's where demonic possessions or any type of possession could take place. We can look at smart dust and say that it came about in the 60s and the 90s and it's being used today. But is it possible that these organic technologies were around for so much longer? Like since the beginning of humanity. And some of those smart dust might be memories from such early stages in humanity that get replayed on and off still today. Next time you see pictures of spirit orbs, don't just go and discount. I'm going to pause it there. That's sort of the full series, probably in the best played order, about my thoughts on sky jellyfish and the upper atmospheric uh, biome, and which somehow becomes this like all-encompassing theory on, I don't know, like life in general and like the afterlife even. It became I I worked that out over months of like just you know diabolical research, and you, you you please come at me with why I'm wrong, but also come at me with why I'm right. Why I'm right? I don't know. Maybe not why I'm right, but like what the hell? That all sounds good laid out like that, and and no, it doesn't sound good. I know the audio was terrible, but the idea seemed okay. Um. I'm going to forego recommendations this week because we are going not long, but for me talking about myself, I mean, I'm hitting nearly an hour. I just, I got, 
My mouth's dry, everybody. As far as recommendations go, please go ahead and turn it back to the Time Splitters segment where I talked about some great movies. I guess, I guess, yeah, sorry, recommendations actually are It Follows and, uh, I don't know, maybe just put a soundtrack for It Follows on afterwards when you're just, like, doing dishes. Those are my two, those are two separate recommendations for you. And I'm going to, at this point, start closing it out. And after this episode, I think I'm going to uh, start doing plugs at the beginning just so we get get some more ratings in because I feel like people get get turned off at this point. Once they know I'm just breaking it down, they leave. But hey, if you're out there listening, I, I see the numbers. I know you're there. And here's the closeout music. Thank you very much for putting that on, Travis. Let's see. Do I have anything... Do I have anything to pull up on how to close out? No, but I do know how to fucking close out. Uh, what do I gotta say here? Uh, listening to some episodes, because I put after the uh, after me doing this, I put a song, either a cover or an original song. Uh, this week, I I have some a lot, like four different songs in the, in the works, but I did not. I was not finding the time to edit them down completely. Not that what I put at the end of the songs are perfect or in their best shape any in any regard just because of the you know i only have about a week or less to make them but i do like them i don't want to put out a product that i don't think you're gonna like at all you know maybe you don't like any of them all anyway but at least i tried maybe next week we could get five at once because i pretty much played the entire napoleon dynamite soundtrack on guitar and sung it back to back by myself so maybe we can get some of that edited and put it out there uh, and maybe my other horror recommendation is napoleon dynamite that that is a the part where the, the farmer almost, yeah, he does, he shoots the cow in front of every kid on the bus. And that one part's horror. So there's the recommendations with the close-up music behind it. I'm going to turn it up a little bit. Hmm. Red Temple Radio, you heard that word about four times today. I promise that it is me, so I'm not stealing any information. It's just like, I just had, I just did, it, I did a rebranding. I'm insane enough to do a rebranding. So now I have two different names I got to commit to saying each time. But speaking of Red Temple Radio, look it up on... If you just Google it, you'll probably get there. But there's an Etsy account called Red Temple Radio. That is mine. I do um, hand-created, like, block prints, lino cut stuff. These, like, carved stamped things of... Uh, I got one of Jason's Mask. I got a popular one of Godzilla. There's one of Philip the Black Goat from, you know, The Witch and also Lovecraftian lore and everything, you know. Uh, and it, so if you've listened to this far, though, give us five stars. We're, we're streaming everywhere. Apple Podcasts slash iTunes definitely helps us out the most. Leave a comment and a star there so we can climb up the ratings. Any less than five stars, hit up the email at pumpkinhillradio at gmail.com and we can talk. And if you uh anything else, we can talk there. Thanks for listening in. Give it a subscription uh, uh, or subscribe. Yeah, you can get our Pumpkin Hill Radio subscription for free right now. We're working on some Patreon stuff, but, you know. I'd, I'd probably give that up for free at the beginning, too, to see what the what the bite ratio is on this uh, net I'm casting. Do fish bite nets? I've been your host, Travis Wormwood. Until next time, see you later, you spooky Mothra babies. In that one movie, there's those two Mothra uh, giant, uh, you know, cocoon sl- slug-looking babies. Real gross. See you later.